Jimmy Pruitt and Annette Pruitt, and we are living up in a down world. We want to welcome you to episode one of our new podcast. We, I, have been talking about this for a while. I'm looking at Annette. She's smiling at me, kind of. Sort of. And uh, I drug her off the couch, literally. It is Sunday afternoon. We don't have a couch. Oh, that's right. We sold our couch. We sold our couch. I was sitting in a chair. (laughs) We have... Two chairs, and that's it in our living room. It looks like we're 19 years old living in in an apartment with two sticks of furniture right Right. now because we got rid of some of our stuff, so we've got some things coming in, but they're not here yet. No, we have an empty room. It's actually nice. Easy (laughs) to clean. There's nothing to clean. I'm loving that. Yes. So I drug her off of our one of two chairs that we own right now. And uh, she, I said, you're so relaxed. She goes, I need a nap. I'm like, oh, this is perfect time to do a podcast because right. you're relaxed. Right. Oh, that's the <laughs> idea. Okay. Okay. So we're coming to you live. Well, semi-live. This will probably be recorded for most of you. But we are here to encourage you. This this podcast has been a while in the making. It's something that's been in, in my heart to do for a while. We've had a lot of people over time. We'll tell you a little bit about our story here in a minute, but we've had a lot of people through the years say, you've got to write a book about your lives because, your lives because you guys are like, you know, like the the lifetime mini series. Mini series you know? is correct, and and really, it's been a it's been a wild ride for Annette and I. It's been thirty years of wow. That's right. what I call That's it. That's the best word for it. <laughs> thirty wow. years of wow, and you can take that however you, know, you want. But we want to. I mean, our heart here. The title of this is living up in a down world, and that's really our passion. But also, it's it's about making faith real for the rest of us. Because, uh, I mean, I went to seminary, I went to undergrad school, got a, a theology degree, two theology degrees, and all of it was great. I'm so thankful for the experience, but very little of it translated into life, into wow. real life. And as I became a young young pastor, a student ministry for years, and eventually a pastor, I was just surprised at how little of Christianity was being taught as something that's practical and for every day. And so that's really our heart in this. It's And it's not to, to put anybody else down or anything. It's just to say, how does faith work in real life? You know, right. and so that's what we're here for. And we want to encourage you in it. We're so thankful. We've got so many people to thank. But I want to start off by thanking Adam and Tina Curry. Wonderful. Uh, Adam Curry, a.k.a. the Podfather, invented podcasting and has become such a dear friend. Adam and Tina, uh, they're part of our church that that Annette and I pastor called Bridge Church Fredericksburg, Fredericksburg, Texas, in the middle of the hill country. Adam and Tina have become the dearest of friends as we've gotten to know them and a walk with them. And he has several podcasts. Uh, he has one called Mo Facts. He has another one called No Agenda. And he has a podcast called Curry and the Keeper that he and Tina do together. He did the same thing. He drug her in to that one. <laughs> he forced her. We he listened to episode her. one. They've been doing this over a year now. So they've got like 20 something, right. 27 episodes, I think. And, uh, and it was funny listening. 
listening to their first podcast where she said, and you drug me in here. And Annette goes, that's exactly where you're doing. That's my line. Why are you saying that? (laughs) And so, well, thank you for accommodating me right? and uh, hanging out with me and hanging out with amazing people that'll be listening to this. And um, so I want to start off by just kind of introducing ourselves. Like Like I said, we pastor a church here in Fredericksburg, Texas. Uh, we've been here seven years. We moved here from Nashville, Tennessee. January. This is January. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So January 30th, your birthday. All right. We're coming up first on day. that. So seven years here in Fredericksburg. And uh, we moved here. We were in Nashville, Tennessee. We lived in Thompson Station, Spring Hill. And I worked for a guy named Dave Ramsey. You may have heard of him. And I, I just had a great fun job working there but we our heart has always been in ministry and that's what what we've done together for now 28 years of our 30 years of wow 28 years of those have been really wow (laughs) being in ministry together you know not everybody can can work together i mean how's it been working with your husband every day of your life jeff leaner started last week as a pastor on staff and he got to really experience us working together it It was quite comical actually because we have a system and we we have a language with each other that no one else understands and I'll never forget watching him go to the wall and stand and go, oh, my gosh, well, I just have we're to get away. We were having a moment. We were talking. A moment, yes. And he walked away. He goes, I'm just going to go over here. <laughs> so welcome to the staff. Right. It was so funny. He said, you guys are so much like me and Debbie. It's yes, hilarious. It was, he said, it was hilarious. I get what's happening here. And I said, yeah, welcome to our family. Yes. Well, we've been doing this 28 years together in ministry, and really, we would not do it any other no, way. No, we're together and, no matter what. And, and think about how blessed we have been not everybody gets that opportunity and some couples never get to work together and some don't want to work together yeah that's true that's true and and we've I, in fact people say oh i don't think i could work with my wife i'm like oh I'm, I'm, maybe you could i mean it for us it was just very it was natural. natural yeah very oh, natural we said that at the same time oh wow, wow. it's like a mind meld of course we're together Great minds and a lot <laughs> sure and so, 28 years together, and it's literally like our arms were, were linked. In fact, it's, I like to say it this way. It's not Jimmy or Annette. It's Jimmy and Annette. And that, sure that really is who we are. And we prefer it that way. Everywhere, we have been very blessed in our ministry lives to be able to be on staff together. together. If we were serving another pastor or when we were lead pastors, we were able to do it together. So... So it's been a really powerful thing. So anyway, we hope you'll come along for the ride. We're going to share lots of crazy stories from our life. We've got some wild, we've been on a wild ride for 30 years. And uh, it's not always been pretty. And we're going to tell you the good, the bad, the ugly. I mean, we just, because we, we made a commitment, didn't we, early on? Yes, we did. We said what? We would never hide what? Our scars. Yeah. What does that mean to you, to not hide your scars? Well, years ago, we worked for a church, and the pastor that was leading the church, I won't mention any names, when he would preach, he would not be transparent at all. He was very um, deliberate about not being open about his former life um, before Christ, and he was untouchable to us. And then we were in in the women, in the youth ministry, and we would share our transparency. And a lot of the church 
were endeared to us because we were so open. Um, especially these days, people need a pastor that's transparent. They want mm-hmm. to hear a real pastor. And we made a decision years ago, many, many years ago, yeah. that we would always be real. Now, we're not going to tell every little detail, but things that are relevant to people's life where we can help them, where we can laugh at our own challenges and mistakes, and uh, but decisions that God has helped us deal with over a lifetime of 30 years. Yeah. I think you nailed something there. We've learned to laugh at ourselves. That's for sure. My gosh. I don't mean like at one another, although we do that on occasion. (laughs) But really, we've learned to laugh at ourselves because we realize we're fallible. We make mistakes. We It's a swing and a miss, a moment sometimes. And, And we live a life of gratitude, but we also live in grace. We When we discovered that God really loves us. I mean, really. And that he really likes us. <laughs> Not just loves go. us, but likes us. We, we fell into this, this place of grace where we realize, you know what? We're in a relationship. Just like you and I are Annette, together in a relationship. There's that up and down, highs and lows, seasons of closeness, and then seasons of distance where we have to close that gap and be intentional and work at it. It's the same in our relationship with God. And so going back to the hiding our scars thing, we decided that it dawned on me years ago, I had really injured my arm in a bicycle wreck back in college. And it was bad. I mean, like multiple stitches. I lost count of how many and it was cut down to the bone. I was in a bicycle race. I did road racing back in the day. And and uh, I remember thinking once that thing healed up, it, I still had a scar. And that scar is proof that God still heals. And so our testimony has been, you know what? We may be banged up and bruised. We, we're like a scratch and dent product that you buy. You know, you go to the store and there's a scratch and dent section. We're, we're kind of in that section, but but we realize too it's that it's God's grace on our life. But it, it isn't that everyone. Mm. Have you met ever Absolutely. met anyone who wasn't scratch and dent? No. I mean, if you've lived in this world for any time, I don't care how perfect you may appear to be. In reality, you're scratching dead. And right. that's not a negative thing. It's not a terrible connotation. It's just the reality of living in a fallen world where there's a lot of brokenness. And we, we have a saying that, and I, we've said this for years, broken people. Break people. That's right. Hurt people. Hurt people. Healed people. Healed people. Right. <laughs> Free people. Free people. Yeah. So we, we have this litany of things we say, you know, in times of crisis or in times when we've been, you know, criticized or, boy, being a pastor and a pastor's wife who's also a pastor, uh, we've taken our shots oh, yes. over the years. And, uh, but we've learned that, that we've tried to, to see people in 3D, as Bill Loveless calls it. I appreciate Bill. He's at one of our equipped class teachers and great minister in his own right. But he, he shared that, that with me that we got to learn to see people in 3d to see them in different, you know, in all angles, that there's something behind that criticism. There's something behind that. What we call haters got to hate, you know, there's something behind that that's driving it. And when you can learn to look beyond that, 
you can it's a lot easier to take it right it sure is so yeah so our life has has been that so we just want to introduce ourselves a little bit and uh and let you know we mentioned um how much we appreciate Adam and Tina. Uh, Adam is producing. He's doing post-production on this, on our show, and we so appreciate him and excited about their journey of faith. You want to talk a little bit about just their their journey? They kind of, uh, for the last year, Tina, Tina has known Christ and has had some of what a relationship and grew up churched and Adam didn't, he grew up in Amsterdam. And so he's, he's grown into a relationship. He has an amazing, amazing testimony yes, it does. of how God reached him uh, through some writings. And he read that book, um, evidence that demands a verdict. Josh McDowell. Wow. What a book. I mean, that was impactful for him. And, um, that that it literally changed the trajectory of his life. Yeah, like a year ago. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, great story there, and, and it'd be fun to have Adam and Tina on here with us at some point and let them share their story Lovely and their people. journey. Lovely, just they the moved best here friends. From, yeah, they moved here from Austin, Texas. They now live in Fredericksburg, and and we've just been doing life together, and it's always a joy. So let's talk a little bit about how you and I met and married. I mean, I mean, we graduated from high school. We were perfect kids. <laughs> we had it all together. No. Oh wait, I, I'm thinking of. I mean, we did else. graduate from high school. I can say. I'm that. thinking of somebody else's yeah. life, not ours. <laughs> wait a minute. Okay, so so we want to be real with you and to not hide our scars. Both Annette and I are married again. We have had previous marriages, which ended in disaster. And uh, I don't want to go into detail about our prior life, you know, because we've we found grace and forgiveness and mercy from God. But but we are married again. Um, Annette, how many years were you married? Almost fourteen. Yeah. No. Yeah, about thirteen. Yeah, thirteen and a half years. Thirteen and a half years, and you had two children. I had two children from that. Two amazing kids. Uh, Amazing. Before they became teenagers and after, no, I'm just kidding. But they were they are amazing kids. They really are, Chris and Alicia. We're so proud of them. Well, I'll tell you a little bit more about them in a moment. So Annette had been married 13 years. She was in a very difficult, mm-hmm. um, I'll just say it, abusive, abusive. relationship. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was actually a pastor friend of ours. That, mutual pastor yeah, friend, mutual but we didn't friend. know each other. Yeah, Annette did not, and I did not have history together. No. I was living in in uh, Central Texas, going to seminary in Fort Worth at Southwestern Seminary. And so we were doing life in very separate places. I had been married for 10 years. I got married at 19 thinking I knew everything. Turns out I knew nothing. <laughs> and so... So, uh, so I was married for ten years, and uh, and my wife walked in after my thirtieth birthday and said, "I want out," and I did not know what she was talking about. I was out of what? And <laughs> that's how naive I was, and I really was. I was blind, and uh, and I was blindsided, and so that marriage ended, and now here I am. No children, though. No children, but I had been on staff at a wonderful church. As a youth pastor, so you thought you oh knew everything gosh. there was to know about teenagers, teenagers <laughs> until you married me. All right, <laughs> you're kids. getting ahead of the story. I know. Let me, let me wrap up my end. Okay. This, okay. this is very good to talk about. And so I was a youth pastor for many years. I worked at uh, Heart of Texas Baptist in Cameron. I was doing that while going to seminary. 
And uh, right at the end of my seminary season, in fact, my last two semesters, my wife decided she did not want to be married to a minister. And so life uh, threw me a curveball that I did not see coming. I was blindsided. And, and so I immediately did, I think, what was the smartest thing to do. I submitted to counseling. I said, I need help. I can't. I can't do this on my own. And I had great counsel. The school provided that. And and um, so, yeah, that season of my life closed. And the church I was serving was so gracious. A wonderful, wonderful church. Oh, my gosh. Still have dear friends from that church. So thankful for that season. And uh, they wanted me to stay on as, as a youth minister. And by that time, I was associate pastor there, so I had been promoted, so to speak. And uh, and they were they wanted me to stay, and I resigned the next week, even though they wanted me to stay because I felt like I needed to heal. So I went back. To, Which is great because you moved to Lubbock, and that's where we met. Exactly. So there's the next season of the story. I did what every self-respecting 30-year-old would do. I moved into my grandmother's house, <laughs> her apartment. Tiny. She had little an efficiency, efficiency apartment in Lubbock, Texas, and I moved in. And I was, I mean, literally, it was like I had been uh, thrown in a in a blender and somebody hit frappe. <laughs> and I was like upside down, sliced and diced. And I was like, oh, great. Here I am now, a pastor right at the end of my master's degree, and I'm divorced. And in, in my tradition, that was a big no-no. Big. I thought I was done in ministry. And so that was my story. Especially 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah, for sure, 30 years ago. And so literally, I, I had a pastor friend, a mutual—it was Annette's pastor. I did not even know this. He pastored a great church in Lubbock, Texas, He's a large passed church. away at a very young age. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Randalls, what a great, Amazing great man pastor. of God. And so I knew John from student ministry. Annette knew him as a congregant in this church. Mm-hmm. He was the one who helped me get out of my marriage. Yeah, yeah. Because of the abuse. I mean, obviously, we don't condone divorce. We don't right. say. But in certain sec- circumstances where there's no hope of any reconciliation, any help, you know, therapy on the abuser's part, which yeah. I went into therapy immediately, but he right. He didn't believe in it. Takes two to so, tango, doesn't it? Yes. And so, yeah. So, so John helped Annette and his wife. Uh, is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Helped helped her make a clean break. And then when he found, I moved back to Lubbock to move in with my grandmother and try to get my life together because it was a train. I was like, what do I do now? I, all I'm so ever, you fix toilets? Oh yeah, yeah. I was working in an apartment complex. Actually, the best job I probably could have had at the time. A I lot of some thinking. great skills. Well, and you could think I downtime. A lot. I, I was mm-hmm. flipping uh, apartments, like you know, patching holes and repairing sinks and toilets, and I, it was actually it was crazy, but it was good for me. It was it was very therapeutic actually because I had a lot of time to think and really a lot of time to heal. Um, I don't know, you know, listening to this. You're like, oh my gosh, pastors that have been divorced. Whoa, you know. But you know, we're just like anybody else, you know. Just like anybody else. We we put our pants on the same way. We we do life the same way. The only difference is we're all called a different lanes that we run in or a different role in life. But we're still all susceptible to the same impacts of life. 
And so, you know, what does a divorced pastor do? And in my tradition, they don't do anything. They go find another job, tragically. And they forget that God called them to the ministry. So I have to tell this, John Randall's, uh, we got together and he said, Jimmy, he said, I'm going to make it. You're, you're my project. project. And it is my goal to get you back into ministry where you belong. The same God who called you to ministry 10 years ago knew this was coming. And he said, do you believe that God knows the end from the beginning? I said, yes, sir, he does. He said, he knew this was coming, and yet he still called you. And so that call has not been nullified. And there were other, there were extenuating circumstances that I'm not going to go into detail about to protect, you know, the guilty, so to speak. But, but um, he was so gracious. He introduced me to his elders. They took me under their their wing and. I began to heal at that church, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a great experience. So I just started going back to that church in Lubbock, Texas, Indiana Avenue Baptist Church. Indiana Avenue. And uh, growing. Oh, yeah, still going great, even though he's passed on. And uh, <laughs> He's passed on, but the same pastor who led you to the Lord. Oh, that's right. Years and years, years before ago. that is the pastor now. Yeah, <laughs> Pastor Steve McMeans Steve led McMeans. me to Christ in 1980. Yeah, I know I'm old. The year I graduated from high school, one week before I graduated from high school, he led me to Christ. And now he's at Indiana and Avenue. He's now at that same church. That Small is just world. crazy. It, it think really about is. It. How God weaves things together and works things together mm-hmm. for our good. Yes. And so um, the way Annette and I met, it was really, it's a great story. Do you want to tell it yeah, first? You go ahead. You want me to? I'll, me I'll to correct this? you. I'll oh. correct. Yeah, that's what we do. We have a deal. She sits on the front row of our church, and uh, in fact, just quick caveat: she called out Max Lucado today because he was preaching at our. Church. He was at our. We had Max at our church today, and he said something. What was it? He so talked fun. about our new risers, but he called them yeah. bleachers, and that's that's in a stadium or i don't know where's where bleachers so at a gym calls out max lucado publicly said it wrong. out loud <laughs> yeah. they're not right they're not bleachers they're risers they're risers <laughs> i know we love max he's a dear friend of ours so she can get away i had to do that that's that so what happened the short version is this i was working out at a gym because i was actually just trying to do everything i could to rehabilitate myself i needed therapy and part of my therapy was going to the gym and working out so i got into bodybuilding and all that here i am a single divorced baptist pastor thinking i'm worthless nobody cares i'll never pastor again i mean just thinking my life was over and how naive I was, but that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. So I was working out at this gym. I never told any of these guys. I started working out with a bunch of bodybuilders, and and I never told them that I was a pastor. You know, at the time, I said, "Yeah, I work at an apartment company. No big deal." So the craziest thing happened. They invited me to go do some crazy stuff, and it was only for about a couple, three weeks. And they said, "Hey, there's this club in town, and it's you know cheap and all." And and so I did. I went with these guys to the bar, to the club, and and the moment I walked in, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, what are you doing here? And I said, I don't know. What am I doing here? It's like I'm reaching for something. So you went back? Yeah, I'll be like barely. Two more times? Yeah, a couple more times with them, because I was just hanging out with them, and, and, 
And I remember I ended up counseling people at the bar. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I became the once a pastor, always a oh pastor. Oh my gosh. No matter what. Listen, I could not get away from it. And that's kind of it really was kind of a confirmation too of my call that even in an environment like that, I was actually helping people, praying with people. I, it was it was hysterical, yeah, actually. It was, it was actually it was quite funny. Oh, it was. And so uh, after about three weeks of that, I, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm not going back. You oh, know? Wait, but the gym. Yeah, yeah. We oh. met in the gym before you met me at church. No, after. Oh, let me, you saw me in church. Okay, okay. Oh my gosh, can Go we ahead. mark this moment on tape or um, on however we're recording right. this in digital world that uh, I actually got something right? Up. I got a timing thing right. It's a miracle. So what happened was. I went to the to the bar with these guys, and then I said, "All right, look, um, I've gone with you guys for three times. Just three three big bodybuilders." I said, "Now I want you to go someplace with me." And they're like, "Great, where are we going, Pruitt?" I said, "We're going to church, man. You would have thought that the air sucked out of the room. The barometric <laughs> pressure dropped about thirty points. I mean, it was like a vacuum for a minute. <laughs> there, silence, crickets." And I said, "Yeah, I'll pick you up on Sunday morning." And uh, I'll be there. I told them what time we're going to go to Sunday school. Then we're going to church. Oh my god! It is so funny. For, what's really funny is I had a Hyundai Excel at the time, a little car, <laughs> and I picked up three, three bodybuilders body in a Hyundai Excel. So here we are scraping the pavement <laughs> in my car. That's why the car died. Oh my god! I car did give up the ghost. So we get to church. We walk into this huge Sunday. School. It was a big church. So we walked into this huge Sunday school class. Like. 200, 200 people, people, big. And we walk in and, and these guys, you talk about looking awkward. You talk about fish out of water. These guys, they were so awkward when we walked in. I walked in and I thought, I'm home. I'm, this is you where I belong. You felt I, I felt, I, this, is, this is my natural and They were probably sweating. Oh, they were dying. Probably a see thousand deaths. Beads of sweat oh, on their thousand forehead. Deaths. And what's interesting is that we walked in and we were looking for a seat because it was really crowded. It's a huge class. It was a single class, single again. For singles. Single again, kind of mostly. Mm -hmm. Singles class, huge. And we walk in and we're looking for a place to sit. We finally find a place. I look over and my eyes land on Annette. What was I wearing? It was this red poodle skirt thing. It wasn't a poodle. It was a... a had a design. It was a pencil it. skirt. Oh, is that what you read? Yes, but long, a long pencil skirt. Yeah. That was yeah, very popular. And, back and then. literally, I, I kid you not, I, I looked at her and I thought she's beautiful. And then I, I literally, the next thought in my mind was that I'm not here for that. And I literally didn't look at you again for the rest of the time. I paid attention to Dale was the Sunday school he teacher. Was. And man, he just, he said, listen, hey, we need to keep praying because we've been praying for a worship leader. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, I'll play guitar. I lead worship. I can do that. And I approached him after the class and said, hey, I, I can do that for you. He goes, really? We've been praying for a year for wow. this. And I said, I, I can do that for you. Glad to help out. So the very next week, I'm back at the gym. And I guess who walks into the gym? Because that was my therapy, mm-hmm. like it was your therapy. Yeah. I had never worked out before, maybe once or twice in my life, you know, adult life. I'm 30 years old, and I need therapy. I'm in therapy with a, a counselor. But I felt like I needed to get my body in therapy as well. And yeah. get, 
healthy. Yeah, exactly. And so I walk over to you, and to this day, Annette swears I put a line you on You did. It. You said, what did, did I, I say? see you in church on Sunday? Like, what kind of line would that exactly. be for real? I mean, well, I don't know. in real life, that would not be a line. What if I would have said, no? <laughs> it would have been kind that of That would have been awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I would have just kept going, probably. What did I say? Oh, I didn't see you. Yeah. Were you telling the truth? <laughs> I was, because literally, I had done the same. I had told the Lord that I was not there mm-hmm. to find my mate, my soulmate, that I needed him and in his timing. I just didn't know it was going to be literally a week later. Yeah. So. So yeah, there's here's one of the there's so many miracles in the story, but and I know we're going a little bit long, so I'm gonna I'm gonna land the plane. But we both had made a commitment. It turns out later, as we talked about it, that we were not going to be we weren't going to be dating people. We were we weren't going to go after anything. Okay. We weren't going to chase anything. We were going to listen to the Lord and really walk with Him. So we both had really recommitted our hearts to Jesus in a big way, and then we meet each other. And so we weren't looking when we met, which let that be a lesson to you that are looking. Stop looking. (laughs) Just trust Jesus. He will order your steps. He'll delight in the details of your life. And he'll find your dream, your dream person. I certainly found mine. And so we met. We had a very brief conversation. Uh, She happened to be at the gym with a guy. He was training me. He was not my boyfriend. <laughs> he had a bit of a reputation. So but I, I was like, that. oh, if you're with him, then I'm out. So <laughs> if you're, yeah. So I wasn't that I kind of girl. I, I literally in my mind just went, oh, you know, delete. <laughs> yeah, reboot. Got back to church the next Sunday. I, I hadn't thought about it again. I bring my guitar to church. I, I'm going to get up and play and lead worship, but I'm there a little bit early to set up the little sound system they had, and it's going to lead some songs. And I'm there early, so I'm sitting in a row literally all oh, by myself because I was one of the first ones there with Dale, the Sunday school guy. And in walks Annette. And what do you do? I said, is there anybody sitting? <laughs> yeah, that was a line. Okay, a it line. was. That's a for real line. Yes, it really was. I, I can admit it now, 30 years later. Which actually makes me feel good. If you would just plus admit years it later. at the gym, that was a line. It was not. It was. I promise it was. Okay, right. It was pure. It was innocent. <laughs> Seriously, it was. Anyway, she'll never believe that. So after 30, so she walks up to me and just, yeah, and I'm like, uh, there's nobody else here. So yeah. So she said, well, I didn't know if someone was, no, it was a sweet, it was very there. sweet. And so Annette sits by me and we just, we kind of talk for a minute and then people start coming in. It gets real busy and boisterous. We're talking and I'm asking you what you do and you don't tell me you're a pastor. No. Later you told me you did not tell people you were a pastor because you were right. You were still grieving. I was in recovery. Yes. I was still recovering from getting crushed. But then you got up from the seat. In the Sunday school class, and you went and got your guitar, and you started leading us. Yeah. That's when I said, "God, I think you've just led me to the right person—a <laughs> man and a guitar, a good-looking man and oh, a guitar so who was sweet and respectful." That did it. It did it for me. So they made an announcement in the class saying, "Hey, we're putting together a fun committee, an activities <laughs> committee," and I thought. 
Oh, well, that would be kind of cool. be a great way to get to know people. So I raised my hand and volunteered right in front of everybody. And I did too, but I had an ulterior <laughs> motive because what I saw your, your hand. I, I saw your, your hand raised and I wanted. You did to, that for me. I did. It was, I did not want to be a part of what I don't even remember what I was volunteering for, but I wanted to be in the same room with you. That's crazy. I, I, I knew I had to. All these years later, that still flatters me. Seriously, I'm going pitter patter over here. It should. So I went and played golf with my brother that afternoon, and we went a little long. So I'm there at the meeting, and you don't show up, and I'm like, "Really, Lord? Really?" I'm looking at my watch, going, "I don't really want to do this." Then I walk in. Then you walk in late. Yeah. And I calm down. What do you remember what that was? Well, what happened? Remember. No, what yeah, it was an activities committee meeting before church because they used to do church. Hunts. I don't remember I mean, what I signed up, whatever I signed up it was for. was an activities committee. But, We're going to create fun activities for the group. Okay. <laughs> I don't even remember. Which no one in that, all these, that's not. That is that, not. At all. No, so, I'm, I can be a fun Well, person, now you but, can, but back then back you were like, that was not kinda, your vibe. But, yeah. So we go. I, I asked you, so we had a break between the end of the meeting and church. I said, hey, you want to go get a Coke over at Taco, Taco Villa? Villa. That was our first, first date. date was at Taco Villa in Lubbock, Texas. And what did I have? You had a large Diet Coke. Probably didn't drink but three sips. I had a large Diet Coke as well. And what was just a friendly, let's have a Coke and a smile moment turned into an interrogation. It was. I didn't want to have anything to do with someone that I couldn't be honest with from the beginning and was honest with Yeah, me. Yeah. So we interrogated each other for about 45 minutes right. before church started. And we were never apart after that no. moment. We were married how long? You remember? Seven weeks. Seven weeks later. I know. Somebody just we tell people out. don't do as we do. We do as we, <laughs> do say. As we say in our council. Yeah, you might want to wait a little longer yeah. than that. But you so, know what? Thirty years later, thirty years of wow yes. later, and here we are. And I would, I'll never forget calling my mother, telling her, oh my gosh, that I was getting married, and she said, "You just met the man." And I said, <laughs> "Mom, he gave me all of his journals." Yeah. His personal journals yeah. from what, 1987? I started writing a personal journal in college in 1985. 85. And you had given them to me over the yeah. time, and yeah. I've read everything yeah. you wrote. And I took them to Odessa, where my mother was, and I talked to her about it, and I showed her your journals. I said, I know more about this man in yeah. the six weeks yeah. than... I did my husband of almost 14 years. I told Annette, I said, look, if you really want to know who I am, there you go. read this. Yes. And I, it was the good, the bad, and the ugly, it too. Was. It wasn't all nice. It wasn't all pretty. It was my personal but journal. you always talked about the weather. Every single yeah, journal. What is it about the weather? West Texas, Tornado Alley. Yeah, because you could have rain, snow, sleet, hail all in one day. I don't know. Maybe maybe thinking, I want to go back and see. I don't know. I grew up in a weather culture because we went through the May 11th, 1970 tornadoes uh, in Lubbock. In Lubbock, yes. Really imprinted my life. That's another story for yes. another time. But yeah, that's why I wrote a lot about that. But I wrote about my, my journey of faith, and I wrote about my failures. Mm-hmm. I wrote about my hard times and my my marriage and i think situation. what impressed me the most was i read all about your hard times but you still loved the lord deeply and wanted to serve him in spite of all your challenges 
which most of the men I knew, boys really, when you're 30, <laughs> know in your life when they have challenges, especially in church, they walk away and they walk away from the Lord. And I think that was what impressed me the most about you. Wow, that means a lot. Was your devotion to the Lord. It was, it was unbelievable to me. I'd never met anyone quite like you. And I still haven't. There's very few people out there that I know personally that have the relationship with Christ like you do. Thank you for saying that because uh, I really felt like a David, you know, I'm a train wreck, but I really love God because <laughs> I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't raised as a Christian. I was raised as a typical West Texas play football, play guitar, you know, rock and roll, all that. I, I was just raised as that very typical, drink a lot of beer <laughs> yeah. kid in West Texas. And so that's how I grew up. And, and not that I was ever what I would say as an enemy of God or an enemy of Christ. I just didn't know him. Right. And so, yeah, I just I did not become a Christian until I was 18. Well, and think about it. I lived with a man who was very involved in church, but lived a double life. Oh, gosh. So brutal. it was very refreshing to find someone that was writing down challenges and uh, and positive things that have happened yeah. in your life, but was very transparent. And I was able to see the real you that most people see now in church yeah. because what you see is what you get. And if you. you remember, but thank you, that's huge. And if you'll remember, we never dated before we got married we for those seven. After. Yeah. For those seven weeks, we spent every day talking. I mean, we would get home from work together. We cook together. We'd go to the gym together and we talked and we talked and we talked. We never went to a movie. I don't even no. remember until after we were married. Right. Because we were, we were kind of, I think God fast-tracked us, where we were spending time talking, 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 getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. I was getting to know Chris and Alicia, the kids. And that and was interesting in itself. Yeah, that, that first Based year. Based on my relationship After we got ex. married, yeah, it got real. It was a, that was a rough. Well, we should talk year. about that in our next show. Yeah, we will. We'll, we'll bring that up, because that's, that's a whole other thing. If For those of you who are married again... You know, yeah, we'll talk about that. So anyway, got married after seven weeks and oh my gosh, we gotta tell the story about the the wedding at some point. We'll have to do oh it. Oh my right goodness. Now. We're gonna move forward a little bit. Can I have a redo on that one? That <laughs> wedding Listen, it was, it was a joke. sweet though. No, no. No, it, it was, was sweet. sweet. It just wasn't my dream wedding. Right. But it was Dreamy. It was sweet. I think we'll at talk that point, all I cared about was just marrying you. Yeah. So yeah. I just let all the details go. So why are we doing a podcast? This is We're just going to go down the list here. I got a couple things and we'll wrap it up. But why are we doing a podcast? And that's looking at me like, I don't know. Why am I? Why, yeah, well, I don't know. I got roped into this. So. <laughs> oh, roped. No, I, it's okay. Well, sort of. Um <laughs> Uh, well, for one, uh, many people, I mentioned this earlier, I think, but many people have said, Jimmy, you should write a book about you also. And have told you, you sh we've had a best-selling authors tell us, you should write a book. And uh, I've sat down, I've written outlines, I've started the process and never felt grace in it. 
even it though there's a part of it. It takes so much time. And you, it's not it's just that. It's, it's really just the whole process has not resonated with me for some reason. And I really believe it's because we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to talk to people. That's well, what you do for a living. Man, it is what I do. I run right. my mouth for you a living. Mouth, so why not run it here? I've been doing that 38 plus years. And so um, we're doing a podcast because we want to help anyone who will give us some time to listen to what it means to make faith real and practical, practical. for the rest of us, for, for normal people. And I say for normal people because Annette and I are about as normal as he gets. <laughs> We're not superstar, rock star, spiritual people. We love God with our whole hearts, and yet we're fallible. We right, make exactly. and, and we we have moments <laughs> where we just laugh and go, "Wow, that was really stupid what we just did." Right, but, flybys. Yeah, flybys we call them. But we we're just real people. Plus, we want people to take us off the pedestal. Oh gosh! Please yes. don't put us on a pedestal because yeah. we're we will fall off. No doubt. And so we want people to see our scars, that we want them to to hear our stories, learn from our stories, glean something from our stories, yeah. because our stories make up who we are today. Yeah, that's right. And I wouldn't, this is the thing, I wouldn't go back and change anything that's ever happened in my life. And I have a childhood that was wrecked with trauma, uh, First marriage wrecked with trauma, and I still wouldn't change a thing because I wouldn't be who I am today. Yeah, if I w- wanted to go back and just change everything, because God came in in the midst of the no storm doubt. and showed Himself to me. That's now right. I have hope, and that's what we want to give people is hope. Wow, that's a big amen right there. Mm-hmm. And to bounce off of that, we we've talked about the interconnectedness of life. Mm-hmm. And how if that trauma hadn't happened, it wouldn't have set you up to Never. be in that place. And then if that hadn't happened, and we we just we found resolution mm-hmm. and resolve in this fact is that things happen in our lives that position us for the next thing, right? Good or bad or neutral. And to go back and change any one of those would change where we are now. Exactly. And the fact that God has brought Annette and I together, and for now, 30 years of wow. Well, and when you're in the middle of trauma, obviously you don't want to be in it. But when you look right. back and see what God has done through that, yeah, it just it's remarkable to, to see be, a God oh, yes. like that. I mean, really. To be real and to be raw, yes. <laughs> sometimes it sucks to be you. Yes. Let's just be real. We've had those moments as a couple. We've had them as individuals where it was like, will I even recover? Right. Can I even recover from this? Or, or, or we'll say things like, like, Lord, I don't think I could take another hit. And then another, <laughs> another hit, hit comes. comes and like, we can what? take it. Yes. And I think that's why I relate to David so much in the Bible. I love David. Is that David was in many ways a train wreck. But he was a man after God's heart. There it is. He was quick to repent. That's it, the key. He was quick to sin, but he was quick, quick to, to repent. Re- yes. and, and I think that's kind of what is marked in mine and your life. Mm-hmm. To, not only together as a couple, but even individually, where, where we, we may make mistakes. We may have misfires along the road. 
and we look on our past. Oh my gosh, what a jagged past and what a crazy roller coaster ride we've been on. But we are quick to repent. Quick. And I've learned that the hard way. So I'm a God chaser in the truest sense of the word. Tommy Tenney wrote that book years ago, The God Chasers. Mm -hmm. I read the book and I thought, yeah, maybe. But really, I'm more desperate than that. (laughs) I'm like like Jacob Mm -hmm. who says, I'm not letting go of you until you bless me. And even if you have to wound me, which he did, he walked with a permanent limp after that moment at the River Jabbok. And I'm that I'm Jacob. I mean, I will grab onto God, and I'm bulldog determined not to let go. And uh, yeah, that's that's the story that we want to tell. Yeah, that's the hope we want to give. The hope. Thank you. Yes. Good word. Right word. Because the bottom line, family, those of you that are listening, we want you to know something. There is always great hope. There's always hope. No matter what happens, it's not the end of your story. It may just be a moment, a sliver of time, an incident, a trauma, a moment, but it is just that. It's not your whole life. And it may inform your life. It may inform your recovery from that, but it will not identify at you as you are. You're not your trauma. Right. That's not your identity. You are not what happened to you. And and that's what, if anything, Annette and I have, have learned through the years is we are not the sum total of the things that have happened to us or even the things we have done. We are not that. We are children of God. Annette is a daughter of the Most High God, and I'm a son of a good father. And that's how we roll. And that's how we do life. So we're just here to help. That's what it's really all about. And so just to land the plane on our first episode here, we want to thank you for listening today. We've got lots more to share. We have lots of stories. And we're, we'll be doing some themes. Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite themes is walking by faith. And oh, I want to tell yeah. some faith stories that oh, yeah. are shocking. and uh, But only God could bring forth what he brought forth in those moments where we had to walk in faith. So I'm really looking forward to telling some of those stories. No doubt. So as we land the plane here today, I want to share just one simple word with you. And it's it's a word that I made up. You know, I've got lots of made up words. I make them up on the fly sometimes, but it's the word brutal. Brutal. I know that sounds silly, but it's a combination of what? Brutal and beautiful. And that really is the essence. It's a word that captures of our, of our life and our relationship and our, our walk with God. It's been brutal, brutal and beautiful at the same time. And I know a lot of you can relate to that because the world we live in can be both beautiful and brutal. And that's why I call it brutal. And one minute you're gazing at, a, at an orange glow, a stunning sunset, and you're going, wow, God's awesome. And the next, you're fielding a call from a family member who just received a terminal diagnosis. That's brutal. Yeah. And so it's interesting to me in the scriptures that the disciples were navigating a brutal world as well. I mean, the political climate that they lived in and the Romans who dominated their culture and their land were brutal. And it created brutal and harsh conditions. And the long-awaited Messiah 
was here and he now was showing himself to be who he was. I'm Jesus. I am the Messiah. I am the one you've you've longed for. Longed for. And he's saying, come follow me. And then the next minute they're being persecuted. And they were being maligned and driven out of their communities because they were considered heretics and false prophets. That's brutal. Mm-hmm. It was like beautiful on one end, brutal on the next. And so we want to encourage you to embrace the brutal, <laughs> that it is what it is. We can't change always the circumstances of it, but we can learn to embrace what it is. And it is this, and I always believe this, there's always hope. Always. There's always Jesus at the end of it all. We call them but God moments in life. So Annette and I have had the privilege of sharing our story in marriage conferences and various environments. And we always say, you know, it's been hard. It's been brutal. But at the end of the day, it's but God. We always end on a but God moment. So we want to end our our show today with, with just to encourage you that no matter what you have been through, no matter what you have suffered, but God, and suddenly, God loves you. And we want you to know that in spite of what, what you feel like you've become because of the things that have happened in your life, that is not your identity. Right. It's not who you are. You're a child of God. You're a son. You're a daughter of a God who loves you absolutely and wholly. And we love you, and we want to be a blessing to you just by sharing our stuff. And so, Annette, thank you so much for letting me drag you off of the chair, <laughs> out of your nap, your, out of your slumber. Out of my slumber. Now it's too late. Now it's time for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we love you, and thank you for joining us today. And we are looking forward to next time that we're with you, where we'll start episode number two of Living Up in a Down World. <laughs> Oh!